Let not your heart be troubled. This is V'ger, please, a hateful voice through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. And uh, I, I've got good news for you, Peter. I like good news. I want to hear this good news. Well, apparently our shilling and selling out has had a response. Uh, kidding aside, uh, my thanks to everyone that signed up for our Patreon over the last couple weeks. We had modest expectations, and those expectations were actually exceeded. Uh, we... We love that people appreciate your show so much that they're willing to top and toss in a couple bucks for it. And I just wanted to say thank you. And and uh, if if you are up to contributing, it's at www.patreon.com slash V'ger, please. And, you know, if you if that is uh, not on your priority list, trust me, I understand. This is a podcast about a 23 year old television show. That's fine. I will thank also the people who have donated. And I think everybody listening should thank the people who donated because uh, because of brave souls like this, nobody has to hear about Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Monster.com, or <laughs> fucking mattress commercials. Not not that that was on the table anyways, but... Yeah, I mean, we're we're the smallest of the small fry, but... Oh, we... I was saying, no, <laughs> of course they didn't approach us. I was just saying, uh, I, I'm not interested in giving commercial space to any of those guys either. Um, we keep it pure around here. And only speaking- organically grown shout outs on this episode. You should beep out any of the mentions, the specific brand mentions I did just so we can. You know, yeah, you want to give them the, the, the literally dozens, oh, <laughs> dozens of dozens. Years. Oh, my. It's just <laughs> all that all of that valuable advertising space. But uh, speaking of. I, you know, I was going to transition there into something like, but suddenly speaking of valuable advertising space doesn't feel like the, the pivot point. Speaking of valuable advertising space, how about those prefab caves, whether it's an ice planet like Hoth, a spelunking cave where Neelix is going to fall and break a rib, uh, or one of the dozens of dinosaurs encounters that you will have along the Voyager timeline, our prefab he- planet hell caves are second to none season. Do you three. want to make it look like it's outdoors, but it's not. <laughs> Do you Come want to have sc- Chakotay and his phaser dick walking around shortly after Seska has scampered away to go deal with the Kazon? All right, man. Season three, episode 23, distant origin. And speaking of that cave, that's my first uh, scene. I, I froze frame and ah, the cave. I'd know that Rocky arch entrance from anywhere. It's been a while since we've seen the cave, and finally we've come home. My ancestral memory of this episode betrayed me because I remembered hating it. I didn't hate it. I did not hate this episode. And it actually has some pretty strong continuity notes because where we're starting is actually the rando planet that Voyager got stranded on at the beginning of the season. Wasn't really a rando planet. Well, to your first point, I came onto the podcast arena tonight ready to fight you because I very much remembered what you said that this was going to be a piece of garbage episode. And I too found myself enjoying it. So I'm I'm glad to see we're on the same page as far as you that can, goes. You can put your metaphorical knife down. That's fine. Oh, You're I good. Got the real one. I got my switch. <laughs> Um, sweet juggalo tech. I understand. <laughs> I've got my, my bat left letter opener ready to go. Um, I don't think it was really a random cave. I think the Kazon specifically picked this planet because they knew it was a motherfucker planet full of dinosaurs and cave people and lava. 
And and that in fact the volcano is still going when we get our first shot of the planet from from uh, basics part two. And did you put together who absolutely dug up? absolutely come oh, on good that gold division jumpsuit with that maquis provisional pin mm-hmm. the proximity to the entrance where a certain space cat left a certain person to stand on an x drawn in <laughs> blood yep yeah these uh these two aliens that we see who've got some pretty uh shall we say radical makeup on uh, reminiscent of another 90s television show that I'm sure you're going to reference here shortly. Uh, they they dig up the bones and horrifically shattered skull, by the way. So now we know how Hogan died and it was not well um, of of one uh, crewman Hogan. Um, this is I guess you'd call it his last appearance on the show. Oh, <laughs> he did it. Uh, but uh, it's the remainders of his uniform and literally his leftover bones. How would you describe the look of these aliens, Peter? Okay, so I'm watching, and I'm going into this, again, prepared for a real turd episode based on the uh, the biased predictions that you had made. So while these guys are rooting around in, in the dark cave, and I don't know why, but the presence of a flashlight really gave me a good laugh. And it's it's any of these aliens. Anytime aliens have something that is very clearly identifiable as current modern day earth technology it's like especially these guys all the crazy technology you're going to see that they have and they're still bumbling around with fucking mag lights but all you can see is a shadowy background or silhouettes of these guys i was not prepared for them to actually be dinosaur people yes so i froze on that and i alt tabbed out of netflix and started doing searches for i think it was abc's was it a jim henson production Dinosaurs. I, you know what? I don't know if it was a Jim Henson production, but it is a seminal television program, nevertheless. A uh, a fixture of '90s TV were these kind of quirky, uh, very family-oriented shows that uh, showed up specifically on ABC. That was the network that always had them. They had all the TGIF shows. Remember those? Mm-hmm. And so dinosaurs was kind of in that realm in that it was this, you know, family unit. We we talked about not the baby before. Uh, that was the uh, last time. Well, not the last time, but one of the many times we've been in these caves, this planet hell set piece, specifically with other dinosaur people. And the last time was, uh, oh, geez. Partuitions. Was that partuition? I believe it was. That was the Neelix and Tom have a food fight with spaghetti and then end up getting along by the end. And yeah, it's where it's where uh, we realized that uh, Jonathan Frakes should assume his God Godhood for making that episode work. That was where he performed a miracle. It is walked on water. So I start checking out this, uh, you know, I, I grabbed the picture of the dinosaur family and I circled the mom who also the mother from Arrested Development and Mallory Archer. I can't remember her name off the top of my head because I'm a piece of shit, even though I love <laughs> Mallory her. Mallory Archer. It's fine. Uh, and I was like, ho, ho, ho. These guys look like dinosaurs. And, and lo and behold, we'll find out that they are, in fact, dinosaurs. But while I'm pulling up 
pictures of ABC's dinosaurs, it ends up with, uh, hey, you know, where are they now? And I start looking around and seeing who some of these characters are. And Joe, there's some shocking revelations I came across in there. Uh, Not the least of which is the fact that Tim Curry was heavily involved as the devil. Of course. But you ready for this? Okay. You fucking ready for this, dude? Move over. Better call Saul because we've got Susie Blackston, Susie Plaxton, who we will most recently remember as Lady Q. Yeah. And previous to that, uh, Worf's baby mama. Correct. Speaking of Worf, you got Michael Dorn. And none other than Robert fucking Picardo as former cast on ABC's Dinosaurs. What? Yeah, man. Good God. There is definitely some kind of. I mean, what are the chances of that? These casting agents just love to cast their homies, I guess. That's got to be it. Yeah. There's no other explanation for it. What kind, no of, what kind of dinosaur does does Robert Picardo play? Jesus Christ. You know what? We'll leave that for a trauma support group conversation coming up in the next week. Maybe we'll find some pictures because all the other dinosaurs kind of kind of look characteristically like the actors portraying him. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe he looks like the Johnny Cab from uh, Total Recall. He's some weird uh, Johnny Cab alien. Who knows? Maybe he's a werewolf dinosaur. You know, he knows he's got those <laughs> he teeth. the same teeth. Them. Yeah. Get we don't have any dinosaur teeth. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I have werewolf teeth that are five years old. Um, But speaking of mind boggling, again, I said it last episode when we started talking about this capsule initially. How shitty that Voyager's leaves crew members remains behind on planets. And we know that religion is not a big part of the Federation or Starfleet, but certainly there are ceremonies and traditions that are observed when crew members die. You know, they usually get the photon torpedo launch out into space. But Manson Rush... I wonder if Chakotay did a half-ass memorial service for him after they got the ship back or something. You know, talked about how, how Hogan was really just this maniac who liked to just stab people and bars and stuff, but... You know, that's how they became friends. I mean, that seems to be... Unlike Jonas, who was a traitor and died a traitor's death, Hogan was a solid dude. Hogan got quite a bit of screen time over season two. Uh, I want to say, you know, he was part of a a couple efforts that saved the ship on a few episodes. It's true, including he was the one responsible for helping uh, Snarf Snarf find uh, the, the detective episode where he found out who the traitor is. Yeah, you know... Hogan wasn't a scrub or an unlikable punk. He he was a solid part of that crew. And I you know, I'll give him a little bit of a pass on him. There was also Ensign Bullcut who fell into the space worm's mouth, but Well, but he deserved to die. That haircut alone was Sure. Was a sin against God. So where is the rule? What what's what's the you know, rule of thumb? for Starfleet like if you get shot and fall over we'll come back down to the surface and pick you up and give you a proper burial but if you died and potentially have gone through a giant creature's digestive system we will leave your poopy remains alone (laughs) (laughs) nobody else wanted to stand on the spot to find out but you know what when they pull up his 
his shredded up uniform, I don't see any fecal matter embedded in that. So I don't know. It, it just seems very cold to me. I get that Voyager wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge once they got the ship back. But leaving the dead behind seemed real, real shitty. And it wouldn't do very much for morale. But then again, we're talking about Janeway and Chakotay, who, if you'll recall, Basics willingly went into a trap. And Janeway very pridefully announced that, you know, of course, everybody on the ship implicitly supports you and your quest to go find out if this crazy ex-bitch GF you have uh, if her maybe baby is actually yours. Everybody's behind this 100% and then we lose the ship and that two seems like information t- worth risking our lives for sure. Two, at least two crew members die horrific horrific deaths and not even so much of a hey crew, I appreciate you having my back. I'm really sorry. I got like, remember, there was no remorse out of Chakotay or Janeway at the end of that entire fucking debacle. In fact, Janeway got like real pissy and shitty with people once they got down on the planet's surface. And in the end, wasn't even his fucking kid. No, he went through all that baby mama drama. And it turns out it just belonged to Kulla anyway. And they just went off to Narnia, wherever you go after the, you're done on Voyager. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Rest in peace, Hogan. You died a, sh- a shit death because your captain and your first officer are idiots. And Seska run hot game on them so hard you wound up getting eaten by a space monster and your head caved in after Neelix led you to your death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his bones are being collected by these two dinosaur looking dudes who are, as you noted, dinosaur people. Uh, that That is what they are. And they are studying... Uh, Hogan's body because the the key dinosaur person scientist is in belief of a theory that his people actually originated on a far off planet and in fact as we get kind of this background through the dialogue these two are having he has confirmed that hypothesis by looking at Hogan's DNA and seeing the similarities within his, within his species DNA and humans. Now, at this point, Stevie looks over and says, is this going to be an episode about evolution? Is this going to be an episode about like crazy religion people and evolution? And I had to say to her, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, I think that's my major complaint is that while I, I liked the framing, sci-fi framing of the story, this is so dated to the 90s. Because mm, I know... Is it? I, I see your point. Because it just so happens, internet, in case you don't know it, but I, in particular, living in Cincinnati, Ohio, live mere minutes away <laughs> from a place called the Creation Museum in the Commonwealth of Kentucky that... Uh, Attempts to institutionalize the idea of of creation over evolution. So that that debate is not dead in this particular part of the country. But I feel like everyone else has given that up. I think there is a bunch of different situations that you can liken this episode to where it's 
people using science and reason um, being shunned by other groups who just want to believe or or show blind faith, whether it's a religious argument, a flat earth argument, anti-vax. I mean, it's a story that I think can be told over and over again with very pertinent com- uh, modern day examples. So uh, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. And I, this, I do want to stay here a little bit on this topic because it is not the overwhelming thrust of the episode. And so I think it's worth digesting how the setup works and what, what about it works and what doesn't the concept of an alien race, not wanting to depart from its long held beliefs in the face of evidence is itself. I think a good setup. I just, I just think that it is dated in that it's like specifically like origin of the species oriented. Uh, I, I get why they did it particularly at the time it was a more pertinent topic in the news, I think. And so sure. And it's certainly not distant enough or niche enough that I, you can't pick up on it right away watching it now. Um, I feel like the episode falls apart narratively a little bit in that this is missing like 20 minutes of giving more background to the dinosaur people and explaining some shit that just never gets explained on camera. And we'll get Such to that. As, okay, well, I look forward to getting to that. We get treated to a couple things here early on. One is some new ship designs. And again, this is me giving credit where it's due. Uh, I want to say the last time we saw alien ships was uh, Favorite Sun. When Harry Kim and the crew encounter what is old Romulan scout ships. That is correct. Uh, the old Romulan scout ship was we'll put on him. And then there was a newer design that helped him out when he was refusing to have sex with hot alien babes. They've been very stingy with giving us new ships on Voyager. So I appreciate that the dino ships are new and that look visually different than anything we've seen before. The dinosaur makeup is all in all, not bad for a one and done throwaway costume. You get a lot of close-ups as the episode will progress. And these dinosaurs are on screen a lot. And in pretty good numbers. I want to say in some of the courtroom scenes later on, we're pushing upwards of eight fully costumed dinosaur peoples on screen at the same time. So that was probably a significant, you know, special effects costume budget. And I wouldn't say any of them look anything less than acceptable for modern science fiction, let alone Star Trek, which has traditionally been, you know, dudes in trash bags (laughs) jiggling around. But uh, the dinosaur people clothing is terrible. It's like camouflage nylon robes from walmart you know that ties back into the flashlight thing i had aliens can only get so alien on a network like sci-fi television show there's they've got certain restraint in what they can show i mean this is they've only got so much money sure so everything's going to look like a set piece that looks like any old regular human set piece yet here are these wildly different aliens that have basically all the same shit we have well, in this case, these aliens, the dino people, they go out of their way very quickly to demonstrate their vast technological superiority. And I think there's some interesting continuity notes here. The story starts to kick off when the head dino scientist, a guy by the name of uh, Gengen, I believe, reports to his higher ups like, hey, I found this missing link that shows that we're from this planet. You know, we and they talk about 
a scale of millions of years that this race has been around. Millions, which is, I think, significant from the beginning because this is not a time scale that you generally see invoked in anything in Star Trek. Generally, it's thousands because that's a more relatable to human beings kind of scale. Like human civilization itself, recorded history, you know, we're talking about even at the point of the 26th century, eh, you're talking about five to seven thousand years max, right? This guy's been around for millions. But this challenges their order, and so he gets a frosty reception and eventually finds out that uh, he's going to get arrested for essentially uh, questioning the doctrine of the origin of the dino people, which is that they're basically just the first race and they're just the king king shits of the universe. Yeah, he's saying dinosaur Jesus isn't real. Or that, like, they came from somewhere and evolved from something else. like Which is he, flimsy. He, it's it's the flimsiest part of this whole yeah and that's the part of the setup that sucks is that these guys obviously have super technology we're going to find out they have trans warp uh they they have personal cloaking devising they have all the cool shit blow guns <laughs> and they obviously uh they can transport whole ships into their ship i mean it's the just scale nothing. of their technology I, we'll we'll see it later on but there's a city ship I think is like one of the biggest ships that you ever see in the start. It might have actually been bigger than a cube. I think it was I, considering the perspective you get on the inside of it. And the problem I think that ends up uh, coming from this is that they never give a credible explanation for why such a technologically advanced species would reject information like this. You know, Why would a species that has millions of years of evolution and ability to understand its environment on a level that no other species can compete. Like, be like, nah, we're just not going to accept that because reasons. Like, there was never anything give other than, but that's the way it's ever been. And and that sucks because the rest of this episode's premise is cool. And they underserved the most important part of it. Because they just wanted to do the story of it being, oh, hey, look, at this guy believes in evolution and everyone thinks that he's wrong. That that sucks. Yeah. You know, had they actually just come out and made some sort of a religious angle to it, it would have yeah, that... hand waved that concern away if there would have been like bingo. If, you know, we what is the con? There's no there's no consequence. Yeah. The, the... Nothing bad as... will happen that is clearly demonstrated. It's just because. And maybe they didn't do religion because it would have been even it would have been too on the nose. Yeah. Like if they made the reason religion that they were rejecting evolution, everyone would have been like, ah, you know, like, but as long as they don't actually invoke a religious argument specifically, they kind of duck the controversy just enough that no one gives a shit. Maybe that's the reason why they didn't do it. But if that's the reason why you can't give that explanation, then give us another one. But whatever. Instead, we get chief dino scientist uh, narrating a explanation of their attempts to try and find Voyager in the wake of of this reception that they receive. And we actually get a really cool piece of continuity. They find the space station next to the Necrot Expanse where Snarf Snarf was doing his dirty drug deals. <laughs> um, we, we learned a couple things over the next few scenes. One, at this point in Voyager's lifespan, the events of Basic Part Two, which is where uh, Voyager's the crew stranded on Dinosaur, 
not dinosaur, but volcano planet and Hogan dies is at this point now more than one year in the past. We also learned that these dinosaur people are excellent at jumping to conclusions. They pretty much nail everything about humanity within the first few bits of conjecture between the lead scientist and his sidekick. And yeah, like you said, we end up getting back to some of the the milestone moments of Voyager over season two, including the Necritic Extance space station where they go in and they start talking with the locals. And something we've talked about before is the amount, the sheer amount of technology and doodads that Voyager leaves in its wake. These guys are able to barter and end up with old com badges, functional tricorders, and even a canister of Voyager warp plasma, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the whole fucking point of that episode was the the bad guy drug dealer cartel that had been running a hot game on the Necritic Expanse space station. They wanted Neelix to steal the warp plasma, and he got a decoy. It wasn't really the warp plasma. Uh, he vented it, the whole thing emptied, and then that guy shot his phaser and burned his face off you are exactly fucking correct and that also bothered me that they remembered the warp plasma was part of that but that it wasn't actually voyager's warp plasma i'm surprised that was the that, whole point because he couldn't bring himself to fucking steal it like come on i'm surprised that they didn't have like a walmart full of old broken shuttle parts too from the amount of chassis they've left around. But like I said, we That'd talked about it. It's like piece one together from all the fucking shattered <laughs> remains they found scattered across the, the sector. Yeah. So, and again, I really like this episode, but there's a lot of holes and they're easy to punch. I'm going to start touching on them now that the dinosaurs would even end up in this, in the Delta quadrant is the first big question. And a large problem that I have with this, the story that they're playing with is you've now introduced a new mega race, right? You, you think about the big races in Star Trek, the big deals. It's, it's the Federation humans, Romulans, Klingons, the Q, the Borg. And now there's like this God King lizard people, dinosaur people thing that we've never heard about before. We're probably never going to hear about again. And they've just kind of introduced them in this vacuum and we learn a little bit like they don't really like mammalian species and they kind of stay off and do their own thing. But all like the warm blooded humanoids, if these guys are out there looking for a weird missing link and they think that it's humanity, there are so many species that we have encountered in the Delta Quadrant that are basically just humans, right? The Skevians, the space truckers, like those super low, uh, you know, the space truckers at least had like a little vagina makeup thing on the the bridge of their nose but there have been so many the space truckers specifically where, where there's just no makeup effort at all it's just a human for all intents and purposes have all of these guys already been examined by these dinosaur archaeologists like what what would make them think that voyager of all the bipedal mammals in the delta quadrant are that thing they're looking for yeah this, as as I noted earlier, this episode suffers from about 20 minutes of content it didn't have. Explanations of how it is that Dino Doctor came to the conclusion that humanity was the thing. Uh, there's a lot of missing content between him and Chakotay. Holy shit. It feels like there was like three scenes that they were supposed to have together and just didn't. Mm. Um, you know, they they don't. 
they set up a really cool premise and pay off none of it. They make an interesting, like the way they tell the story primarily from the perspective of the dino people. I want I think to point was a out cool idea too. You don't even see a Voyager crew member other than Hogan's remains for the first 15 minutes of this episode. It was a 45 minute episode and you cut like the, the intro credits out 15 minutes. That's like almost half the episode with no Starfleet at all. So that was a real risky play on there. And you never have guest stars carrying an episode that deep. I've never seen that in any Star Trek episode ever. This is very unique in a lot of ways. And going to back to something you had previously said about setting these guys up as like basically God tier alien technology potential antagonists. Mm -hmm. I get why they did that, given how they were setting them up as having had millions of years to evolve. But it's just something that when you put it out there like this in a property like Star Trek, when people like you and me who are huge fans feel like it's pretty incongruous in that respect. Yeah. You don't see them again. You don't really feel their presence in the galaxy again. And they don't really offer too much of an explanation as to why other than we don't like warm blooded creatures. Yeah. So is there like a whole different race? Like, is there a race divide in space? And when they're next door neighbors to the Borg too, like I, that's its own thing I'm going to get into. And, and, and I want to touch on really, really seem like they should be able to compete with, if not run hot game on the Borg, right? Absolutely. Like, I'm not crazy to think that. No, no, yeah, yeah. So let, let's have the conversation right now. The Borg, you know, are coming. And Voyager could have chosen to ignore the Borg and not told a Borg story. Instead, they embrace the Borg fully. And they had to know in the writer's room that this is where they're going. Every episode that they have put out since the introduction of the Borg and whatever that space blood blood fever that's the first time we say okay the borg are here and this is gonna be something we're dealing with everything should have been done with the expectation that how does it touch the borg you're in the borg's backyard now so if you've got tyrannosaurus godzilla powerhouses why haven't they just cleaned the borg up how are they not interacting you've created the strongest biggest oldest race in anything Star Trek related we've seen, with the exception of maybe the Q. Why are these guys not a thing? Why has nobody ever heard of the Tyrannosaurus people? Why are the Tyrannosaurus people seem to be completely ignorant of everything else going on in the Delta Quadrant? Like, If they'd offered an explanation that they've become decadent or somehow... Give uh, them a Dyson Sphere. Say they live in a Dyson Sphere. They don't like outsiders. They've cloaked the entire planet and they are fiercely xenophobic and want to just be left the fuck alone. Boom, sure. done. That's sure. More than enough. They don't care about what the Borg's doing next door. They don't care right. about if the Borg space come trouble. by. They'll they'll just wipe them out. They're like that cool. Yeah. They're they are so far beyond everyone's power that they've looked inward and and otherwise don't give a shit. And a big part that would have been explanation too. And the big part of this is that they all seem so dumbfounded and like tracking down Voyager is this massive feat. Voyager, let's go to the next door joke we tell. Everybody knows who Voyager is from the Skeevians to uh, what was the last planet they encountered? They're like, well, we don't want anything to do with you. Oh, you know what? It turns you out. You're all right. If every fucking scrub knows what's up with Voyager and where Voyager is going and to stay away from Voyager or whatever, why is it the most advanced species we've ever seen completely in the dark on where they are and how to track them down? And they have to do like this real gumshoe hitting the streets dealing with the hillbillies in the necrotic expanse colony <laughs> so <laughs> yeah like 
the dinosaur people are cool, but I don't think they were willing to put the time in to really fit them into Star Trek the way, right way. They, they feel more like shitty DLC content. Yeah, they're like the tacked on thing that you go do after you've beaten the main game. Or some sort of like fan fiction that someone's like, wouldn't it be cool if there were dinosaur people? Like, yeah, they fit just enough that you're like, the person who wrote this knows about Star Trek, but they don't fit in well enough. That's like, this is something that is first, you know, first party content. Dino Doc and his assistant eventually do catch up with Voyager. They, again, as we noted, they have both transwarp and interphasic cloaks so they're able to basically roll up on them and transport onto the vessel while remaining unseen and they do like some observations they they watch tom and balana flirt with each other during the flirting they smugly say oh look the female is incapable of vasodilation that's why she has to lay it on so thick heavily Humans can totally vasodilate. Vasodilate is when blood vessels open up. And when you're flirting and you're blushing, that's exactly what vasodilation is. So uh, some real, real shitty science homework there, Bran Branagh. I paid attention in anatomy. I'll have you know. That's, you got you got me on that one, brother. Like, I didn't know that. That's fine. Well, you now you him. know. Bran Branagh's got nothing on you, bro. Mm-hmm. I think on my science classes I took in undergrad were chemistry. That was what I did to settle that requirement. And I remember approximately none of it. Camera work, man. Real quick, I want to talk about the camera work, too. They take some real crazy shots, not only like dialogue, conversation, close-ups on faces, but camera positioning around Voyager. They give us our first top-down shot of what the Voyager bridge looks like. It is fucking huge. I never really realized how big the Voyager bridge set piece is. The area between the captain chair and Tom is like a half a basketball court. It feels like they got a lot of wasted space on that scene piece. I I liked some of the sort of doing the Dutch angle thing that they try later. And it, I think it overall works, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's definitely like they, they did some interesting different things to try and make it, look different i like it i liked it too and i don't know if they were trying to like play weird camera angles to distort some of the makeup but i think the the awkward camera angles the wide fisheye angles are part of why this dinosaur costume looks so good on the close-up shots that it had so they eventually get found out by the voyager crew that they're snooping on them because they underestimate their technology and get cornered in the mess hall which is of course where we get our one line from neelix or whatever that he seems to be stuck with Who, lately. i'll note they changed his blue dick patch on his apron did you notice that honestly uh he was in the episode so little i wasn't looking for the dick patch that's a shame i, I would have expected but <laughs> yeah so they, they're doing this fun thing because these guys have little personal cloaks and i want to point out this uh this interphasic uh cloaking that they're using the last time we heard of interphasic cloaking was back in the Eric Pressman, William Riker go back to the USS Pegasus, which had an interphasic cloak, which could actually go through like pass through solid matter. So were these just like regular little cloaking devices or did these things actually make things incorporeal? I think it, it actually it, it makes them incorporeal on that plane of existence. Like it. Hmm. What's the right way to put this? Like, yeah, if they like wave their hand through it, 
it wouldn't work, but you could, it's close enough that you could interact with it with an energy beam. Like I get what they were going for and like bring it into phase with them. And before I forget, they stole one of the interphasic cloaks off of one of these guys by the time they capture him. Do they ever really indicate that that thing gets taken back or are we to assume that Voyager gets to keep that as a memento? It does appear that they seized the whole ship. So I'm going to assume that fair enough. The dino people probably are like, and also I'll be taking that. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate you. Corner in the mess hall. Uh, they have a tragic misunderstanding after dinosaur assistant uh, manages to hit Chakotay with a blowgun dart. And in the confusion, the assistant essentially gets captured by the Voyager crew and Dino Doc grabs Chakotay and borfs back to his own ship with him. And that's where we finally go into what I call turbo exposition mode. I want to say... I think the biggest missed opportunity, the, the my biggest regret of this entire episode and the entire concept is the scale of these guys. They've got these big, crazy starships that are probably bigger than Borg cubes. They're descendants of dinosaurs. How cool would it have been if these guys were like all the size of T-Rexes and like humans were like little humans next to them? It wouldn't have really done much for sneaking around their ship part, but damn it, this is your one chance to have massive dinosaurs on the show Voyager and you squandered it. <laughs> I, they, you know, they've got money Budgets. they've got to work with. It's not a lot. Sure, sure, sure. What we find out over there, I guess act three is the exposition dump. And it starts with Janeway dealing with the assistant on her ship who like goes into a predictive coma. So she doesn't have anyone she can kind of question. Yeah, he torps. He torps and instead they find out about the whole genetic marker bit from the doctor's analysis of him and have a little confab in the holodeck where they piece together through asking the computer strategic questions, which in the 24th century, I guess, is science, that the the dinosaur people are, in fact, dinosaurs, that they're uh, – uh, essentially an evolved version of this one particular kind of dinosaur that they pick out that went extinct and after the Cretaceous era, but they theorize, well, you know, if it somehow survived and managed to continue to thrive and evolve over the million years after that, what it would look like. Oh, it just so happens to look exactly like the dinosaur person we have in our sick bay. Holy God. That was a little, a little forced, but, they they got it. They don't have a ton of time left to deal with. Like you said, they spend the first fifteen minutes. I think to the episode's credit, sort of taking its time, and instead of like making this a two parter or something where they could have continued that, they just are like, "Oh shit, we got twenty minutes left. Time to get this done." And Janeway and the Doctor are like, "Oh, these are people from Earth. These are Dino people from Earth. That's cool. That's pretty sweet." And at the same time. Uh, Dino Doc and Chakotay are getting to know each other. They're having conversations. Chakotay works his smooth B, you know, Indian charm to get Dino Doc to kind of just be chums with him. And he explains, you know, a, a theory of like, oh, maybe, you know, your civilization that your people built on Earth got destroyed by some sort of cataclysm that we've never been able to find the evidence of. And that's why we've never heard of you either. So basically, their lost city of Atlantis. 
uh, basically that's the, it's like yeah maybe you're on an island and then the island sank into the ocean and we just never found it credit to Chakotay he does not actually lay any Indian yes. false Indian stuff on him and this is also my wife was ready too she's like if I hear any fucking fake Indian bullshit from him mm-hmm. talking to dinosaur people I'm gonna lose my <laughs> Akuchi Moya <laughs> um, but no doesn't do it it's also strong character building for Chakotay because we have already established that he enjoys first contact situations, that he enjoys the role of uh, diplomat. And this is, I think, a good expression of that. He also says that he, too, is a scientist, which is fucking news to me, but whatever. I want to jump back to the holodeck scene. This is a cool scene because it is our first real extended clear view of the holodeck. And I don't know if the holodeck they are using is representative of the other holodecks so there's what three holodecks on voyager fucking things are tiny and i i pause the screen and maybe i'll get the screenshot up and, and toss it on the trauma support group but janeway's standing i don't know with her ankles maybe a shoulder apart so you get a good view of how wide a human is she basically occupies one holodeck square so they've got you know the orange tape on the floor these these holodecks, man, they, I want to say, are like eight squares across, and I forget how many squares deep, but it's it's tiny. And I wonder I, if they can, like, raise the partitions, like, in a Holiday Inn conference room. And just, like, <laughs> holodeck, I don't know. <laughs> but it, it always drives me back to the Beowulf episode, because you could put... I don't know, 16 people in the holodeck and just slowly walk with everybody holding hands apart. Like, you know, you're doing a dragnet across a field where you're looking for a murder weapon. And if there's like crew members knock the fuck out or laying dead and rotting on the floor, you're going to trip over them. And there's only so many people these things can hold. And I, I just it makes me laugh thinking about some of these big crew functions they throw in there, how everybody just has to be up each other's ass drinking cocktails or banging hollow characters and what they would think is the next room over. And really it's just two inches away from someone else's face. Well, you know, when you're playing with lights and, and energy fields to create the perception of space, mm-hmm. it's the smells you, you got to worry about though. It's a smell. Yeah, some, sometimes you might be mere inches away from some nasty uh, part wet, of your crewman's hooch. <laughs> you know, it smells like, like sex. Was, What's going on here? What is this? Breaking my immersion. You're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Oh, I got splatter on my face. Jeez. Gonna have to go get that penicillin shot, and I don't even have the good story to show for it. The situation settles as everyone ex- dumps all the exposition exposition out in Act Three, and it's basically to set up the the big uh, courtroom scene. The God, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. There's an old movie where they dealt with the uh, the scope the scopes monkey trial. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Do you remember it? No, but let me let me set the stage real quick. What happens? So Chico- inherit the wind. Fuck inherit the wind scene. God damn it. Chakotay's scientist dude's like, oh hey, we're getting along so great. And then uh, Chakotay's like, cool, let's go back to my ship, and you know we can really help you sell this thing. He's like, oh oh no, I we're not going back to the ship because. My dudes are waiting for me and I need to bring you as my proof so I don't get discredited and shit doesn't hit the fan. And Chakotay is kind of like, I thought Chakotay was going to like throw up a shit fit and be like, now you're kidnapping me and you suck. But Chakotay is just kind of like, well, I don't know. Meanwhile, 
the what we've described before the city ship this massive huge huge Probably the huge, biggest huge, ship huge. ever seen on star trek this thing is like basically the size of a super star destroyer right yeah if if i'm if i'm visualizing this the right way now we know that star wars scale is way bigger than star trek so this is a big fucking ship it pops out of trans warp and just boom right in front of voyager hits him with a tractor beam cuts right through their shielding knocks their power out and they transport the entire fucking ship all of voyager in one fell swoop inside this huge cavernous ship this is scale the likes of which we've never seen before they get boarded uh the power is completely off you got tuvok and paris prowling some empty halls tuvok's like oh my my tricorder doesn't work so of course when they get confronted by bad guys tom's standing there just clicking the phaser over and over like huh what it's not working it's a pretty good case that maybe you should just keep a couple uh for real glocks or shotguns just put away just in case you got superior enemies who can turn off your energy weapons but uh voyager's on its knees uh, that would be a hell of a thing for them to actually have like hmm all right energy weapons aren't working we've got two options one space glocks mm-hmm. two space pipes <laughs> this is not a space pipe level emergency oh, what if lon suter was still alive and lon suter brought the tyrannosaur people to their knees well it's like all right we're in trouble lon grab a pipe get onto that city ship take care of business i'm not ready to do this again i've worked so hard lon they're not real people they're dinosaurs think of the children in jurassic park lon you can do this Lon running around a kitchen and like guards chase him and he pulls the he pulls the thing down and they slam in their own reflections. Uh but great. Janeway turned it into a horror movie. Yeah, man. Horror movie where Lon just clobbers the fuck out of a lot of poor dinosaur people. Janeway's at their mercy. Tom tries to pull a little stunt, doesn't work out because again, we are being very clearly shown that Federation technology ain't got shit on million year old dino tech end of story and it's to set up the inherit the wind scene where they have the trial quote unquote of dino doc as he tries to justify his perspective and this is where like chakotay starts bringing up shit that he couldn't possibly know about based on the scenes we've seen with him of both voyagers investigation of the matter uh, and their data on what happened. That was literally a scene he was not in. That happened on Voyager after he got kidnapped. And then like conversations about the dino people's history that I guess we're supposed to think that he had with dino doc, but they don't actually have on camera because apparently days have passed. <laughs> right. It's, it's super rushed because I'll they put run out, out of time. That, Chakotay's playing ball. The, the guy tells him, oh my God, your friends just got captured. Their ship's on lockdown. I've been ordered to go present myself for a trial. And Chakotay's like, okay, let's go do this. I'm on your side now, even though you've basically kidnapped me. Yeah, he's trying to help this guy out. And, you know, they they go through the the song and dance that we've lamented, which is that they provide no credible explanation while while why super advanced dino people wouldn't buy what this guy is saying like they wouldn't accept that this is the truth based on the fact that there's ver- verifiable evidence of it 
And so it all kind of makes it all like, oh, this is about, you know, belief and not accepting science. And But the problem is, is the speech that Chakotay gives, which does a couple things. In the end, Chakotay puts on a real good song and dance because he's like, you guys are badasses. The struggle was real. You came out on top. You escaped annihilation on Earth. You traveled the wind. Like he's just on his knees, blowing all these dinosaurs. Like, oh, you're so great. You're such, you know, everything's the best about you. And everything he says is kind of like, yeah. Why would you be afraid to admit the fact that your species did all these great things and 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 hide these facts and and basically deny your own greatness? Like he makes a really good point there. But man, right off the bat, because it's clear what this the head judge president whatever the hell she is she's like uh so you want to admit that your scientific stuff could be incorrect and maybe you made a mistake he's like no i'm gonna stick with it and she's like yeah but it'd be really cool if you just admitted that it was wrong and she doesn't make any direct threats but it's clear that that's you know it's you're gonna play ball with us or something bad's gonna happen because they drum they bring out his old um assistant and his assistant's already caved like a house of cards he's like yeah, the, the research was bad. And the head researcher's like, what did you do? What'd you threaten him with? Why is he acting like this? And they're just like, yeah, no reason, man. Just you sure you don't want to play ball with us? And then Chakotay starts opening his mouth. And I'm like, Chakotay wants to fucking die. It's clear that there's racism and that these cold-blooded people don't care at all what the little monkey people say. So you trying to interject in this big deal trial Sounds a whole lot like, hey, look at me. I'm over here. I'm a, a front to your entire belief structure. Why don't you just kill me? But then they start hearing him out. Like you said, he drops hot, hot game. Like, think of it this way. It shows what fucking stone cold villains you guys are to, to make it through all this shit. And speaking of stone cold villains, look at everything that you have seen out of these people. Their technology blows yours out of the water. And sure, you've got the one reasonable scientist guy, right? You've connected with him. You like him. You're like, I like this guy. I want to see him survive. I want things to be good. And then you've got the terrible government he comes from. And let's put some different face. <laughs> let's put some different faces on these guys. Literally, let's cut off someone else's face and put it on them. And now you have the Vidians. Where you've got a couple good Vidians, like uh, what's her name, Doctor Pell, yes, who was a great person with a warm heart and saved your life and saved Janeway's life and risked her own life before you guys just left her out to fucking dry, right? But then you have her terrible government, which does all of the things that she has identified as evil. They are suppressing obvious truth. They are ignoring scientific fact. They want to stick to their doctrine. They are not afraid to just scoop ships up and transport them inside of their ship and use your people as hostages and and these this real totalitarian scary shit right and you're over here saying hey acknowledge how great you are and blah 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 it's like he's basically saying hey you guys are really cool why don't you come back to earth and just conquer our stupid little monkey asses like <laughs> yeah I'm I'm like, dude, maybe these are not the people you should be trying to draw a breadcrumb trail back to Earth. Like you've already had to fight off the Borg pretty hard. It should be clear that we don't want the Delta Quadrant in our Alpha Quadrant. And you don't want these guys having a homecoming. Like, why don't you come back and inherit the Earth and take it back away from us? Because we're just pretenders and you should come back with your divine mandate and subjugate us all. And oh, wait a minute. Why am I giving this speech again? Maybe I should just shut the fuck up before I bring my... <laughs> 
the the sequel series is Chicote inadvertently causing the invasion of Earth by the Dino people. Chicote decimated. It. He's like, you know what? It was really great that the Wind people came in here and interfered in my tribe's upbringing, and I'm already compromised because of their lack of a prime directive. So, with my twisted upbringing, I'm just going to try and invite every Delta Quadrant species back to Earth because I don't know any better, and I'm a dummy. In the end, the episode wraps on the obvious thing happening, which is that Dino Duck concedes to do a false recantation of the facts so that he can save Voyager and his new bro for life, Chakotay, from going to Dino prison. And, you know, we eventually Voyager's just kind of sent on his way as a Which, consequence. What the hell is that? You've got a very oppressive regime humanity is the evidence of a truth that they do not want to believe i understand them sparing the 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 life of the scientists because if they just killed him it'd look real fishy and like make him a martyr and people might start to really take his shit seriously but now you got all these other humans who are totally expendable and i was really expecting there to be something where they're just like okay now we're going to just kill all you guys and we'll just say, hey, they went along on their way. But really, we destroyed all the evidence of this this conspiracy. But yeah, they just they let Voyager go. I was not expecting that at all. So in the end, I think the episode was better than I remembered from it. Just not, it wasn't like shitty. It wasn't like actively bad. It was just one of those things where. So many times we see this pattern with Voyager of having an interesting setup and not doing enough to pay it off. And we've I think we've probably had five or six episodes that we could specifically point to to say, boy, oh boy, if only they taken a half second rewrote how they did this. This really could have been something cool instead of what it was, which was forced, rushed didn't explain enough, introduced too many variables that didn't provide enough explanation, and it eventually crowded out their own good idea with sloppy execution. I like the episode. I'm, I'm not going to... I've shit on it hard. I'm not going to shit on it harder. I don't think that these dinosaur people are a strong enough vehicle for storytelling that I think they deserved any more than one episode. And I think for something that is going to be a one and done experience, especially we're going to have something as so ballsy as not even have Voyager crew on camera until the 15 minute mark. This felt like a very long episode. I think they brought a lot of flavor in and and obviously, yeah, there was loose ends and inconsistencies all over the place, but they had a story they were going to tell. And I don't think they ramrodded it as hard as some of the other things that they've ramrodded. Yeah, they could have done stuff better, but uh, like I said, honestly, I don't think these guys were interesting enough that I would have wanted more of it or more story. I, I can fill in the dots well enough for myself. Again, other than the fact of what's so inconvenient, what's what is the consequence of originating from Earth? But it was good. It was different. It was bold. The costumes look good. Um and it was a it was a fun Star Trek story. I went in expecting it to be dog shit. I was very pleasantly surprised. And again, when we look at stuff like Innocence, Resolutions, Prototype, Dreadnought, The Cloud, uh, I've seen such worse things out of Voyager that I will happily embrace this as a good episode. So what do we got next week, my friend? Season three, episode 20. Oh, and I want to point out, too. 
my wife, every time I sit down to watch an episode of Voyager, is this the one where Jerry Ryan comes in? Is this is this the one with Jerry Ryan? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Once they, once they bring her, like she saw her in Boston public. That's all she cares about. And I just get beat over the head with questions about when's she coming? And I'm, I'm always like, I, I don't know. I think it's like, God, how many episodes are in this TV show? I'm like, I don't know, man. I think it's like 30. So I promised her that no matter what, the episode before, I think Scorpion's the one where she comes in. Correct. That we'll Scorpion call our one. podcast title for the episode before Scorpion, the one before Jerry Ryan shows up. And that will not be this next one. This next one's going to be season three, episode 24. We have uh, Tom and Bellana, what looks to be very familiar caves, only now they have white mint frosting. I think that's supposed to be a cold place here because they're like, brr. Displaced one by one, Voyager's crew members are being replaced by strangers. And the replacements don't know why they are there. You remember this episode? I remember this one. Uh, it's written by Lisa, Lisa Klink. So Ooh, you mean you Lisa better believe there's kink. Yeah, Lisa Kink is involved. I don't know. So I didn't make be... that joke during Blood Fever, man. When we were having that joke about specifically what kind of episode. We didn't. We, we never fucking didn't. No, we did not call her Lisa Kink. And, and that is her name moving forward. Um, so this is a sexy Hoth, like Hoth scene reimagined of Han and Luke in the Tauntaun. Only this time it's going to be Bellana and paris obviously i look forward to your reaction sir and i look forward to all of you listening to us out there keep tuning in we'll keep bringing it to you every thursday thanks again for your support on patreon thanks again to ian and sarah for their lovely work on the theme song and we'll see you all next week